You're listening to Fiscal Factors, the podcast for New Hampshire Society of CPA members. Here are your hosts, Juliana Sullivan and Robin Abbott. Hi there, this is Robin Abbott, CEO of the New Hampshire Society of CPAs, and you're listening to our podcast, Fiscal Factors, offered as a benefit to our society members. We're very excited to continue on our path of interesting and educational conversations with noted business professionals throughout the state. As always, you can find out more information also at www.nhscpa.org. So there's a lot to talk about, especially these days, but we thought with the recent passage of new federal legislature that affects many, if not all of us and our clients, we would try and touch on that a little bit today. So I hope you've been enjoying these discussions. As always, reach out to us if you're interested in participating or if you have an idea you wanna share. So today we're excited. We actually got to grab Chase Hageman. Am I saying that right, Chase? It's actually Hageman, but that's, I go by, you can call me George if you want. That's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> Chase Hageman, and he's the Director of Strategic Initiatives. Very nice title, I like <laughs> at the Concord Coalition, and a man who I'm sure is quite busy these days. Hi, Chase. Thanks for coming. Pleasure to be here, Robin. And I think I'm more busy because I also have a one-year-old at home who keeps me and my wife on our toes, to be sure. <laughs> that's that's great. Well, and I, I have to say, in these times, it's probably nice to be there with him as, as often as we all are. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I don't. So I was actually thinking about this. You know, the holidays can be a time of reflection and preparing for the next year. And uh, although there are a lot of things about 2020 that I would happily hit fast forward on and skip to the next year, the time with our son is certainly not one of those things. We've had a lot of great experiences and memories with him that we wouldn't necessarily have otherwise if we were just sort of going about our lives as if a pandemic hadn't been occurring or hadn't taken place. But uh, in that respect, it's been a lot of fun. He's a a fun little guy. His name's Ryan and uh, he's loud. So you may hear him chiming in every once in a while in the background. (laughs) Perfect. I couldn't ask for anything more. And, you know, I want to really thank you for reminding all of us of what really matters. There's so many dark spots in this, this whole, you know, recent time. And it's really important to remember the bright spots. And Ryan sounds definitely like one of them. (laughs) Yes, he's certainly been a bright spot for sure. But you know, I, I'm, I also, as you mentioned, I work with the Concord Coalition. I'm their director of strategic initiatives. Uh, I've been with the organization for about seven years now. Uh, so that's sort of my national hat, the director of strategic initiatives. But my, my field hat is I'm also the New England regional director because we do a lot of grassroots public education as an organization. Uh, just for benefit of background for your listeners, I, I live in, my wife and I live in Portsmouth with our son, Ryan. Uh, We both met at UNH Law. We're both attorneys, uh, and I took the public policy route. She took the more traditional attorney uh, route. She's at the attorney general's office, in fact. And uh, the Concord Coalition. Breadwinner, right? Is that it? Exactly, (laughs) yeah. She keeps the lights on. (laughs) And uh, uh, Concord was started back in 1992 by two former, uh, now late U.S. Senators, Warren Rubin and Paul Songas. So our bipartisan roots go way back. Uh, We focus on generationally responsible federal fiscal policy. That's a a mouthful and a long way of saying we care about long-term budget policy, which is a hot topic right now as we uh, watch Congress try and rapidly respond to what's going on in the economy and and the pandemic. But so we have a, a policy wheelhouse, but we also have a grassroots wheelhouse where we do Uh, budget exercises and and presentations to civic groups and classrooms and even uh, business leaders. That's awesome. I, and I can only imagine that people are getting more and more interested in this, 
kind of work and, and advocacy. And it's, it's so important because, you know, our voice matters and there's mm -hmm. so many moving parts. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I always like to point to if, if everyone ever, if anyone ever says, well, my vote, my vote or my voice doesn't matter. You're not paying attention because especially in New Hampshire, we always have exceptionally close elections and uh, we have small communities where you can really get engaged. And, and that's, that's what I think has made my job so fun is being in, in this region, this part of the country where we have a naturally engaged citizenry. Absolutely. Well, and you know, I was looking at your website earlier and I have to commend you on it. It was really so full. I mean, I, I feel <laughs> like I could sit on that for a while, just the blog posts and the information is so very well done and, and really important information that, you know, I thought I was somewhat up to date on a lot of things and I was like, wow, I, I really want to pick up on this. So, so thank you for, you know, just getting this information out because sometimes well, I appreciate you that. know what, what channels you can sort of rely on and, and what channels you have to sort of. Yeah. And we have, we have a really hardworking team. So uh, certainly they're to be commended for getting all that substance up on the website for sure. So I know it's all still very new and you knew I was going to ask you about this recent legislature. And yep. I promise I won't ask you to, I'm going to go through, what is it, the 5,000? Yeah, I was going to say, you want me to go word for word here on the, the, the bill oh, no, that probably no one uh, in Congress has actually read? Unbelievable. But I mean, do you give me your sort of, you know, knee jerk thoughts about this legislation, how it may affect us, the state in particular, or, you know, our country as a whole? Sure. Um, well, I, I, first I'll say our, our policy director, Tori Gorman, uh, put out sort of our knee-jerk reaction in a statement that uh, was titled The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. So I'll sort of frame my response in that. But I'll start with, uh, for the most part, um, the Concord Coalition looks at legislation like this in uh, sort of a, a defined framework. We, we sort of have like a checklist of things that we hope to see uh, in, in policy. And, and when it comes to uh, emergency response uh, or responding to a crisis, we, we look at what we call the three T's, whether a piece of legislation is timely, targeted, or temporary. And that is sort of how we've, we've, we've tried to stay as nonpartisan as possible in, in this environment. And obviously, it's very difficult because there's very strong opinions on both sides of the aisle on how we should or shouldn't be responding to COVID-19 and even from a fiscal policy perspective. Uh, but the, the Congress's initial response going way back to the CARES Act, by and large, sort of fell into those three T categories. They, they kept it focused on responding to the emergency at hand and, and phased out a lot of the programs and benefits so that they wouldn't become a long-term wait on the federal budget. Now we're a little bit further down the road. We're, we're looking at transitioning from just relief to economic stimulus, and you're starting to see this legislation get more political. So things are hitching rides to it that shouldn't necessarily be there. Uh, they're grouping things together to ensure they get passed because, you know, you, if you vote uh, to not provide COVID relief in this instance, you'd also be voting to not keep the government's doors open because Congress combined uh, COVID-19 relief with the omnibus appropriations bills for fiscal year 2021. So this was a behemoth piece of legislation. I think it was actually the biggest ever to pass the U.S. Senate. Uh, I can't say the House because they passed over a $3 trillion bill earlier this year that didn't really go anywhere. But this was a big piece of legislation that had a whole lot in it. So there are certainly really good parts about it. Like we obviously need to fund the government, uh, keep the doors open uh, down in Washington so policymakers can do their job. And 
you know, providing COVID-19 relief was a necessity. When you look at all the markers right now in the economy, we're, we're not heading in the right direction in many respects. And we're certainly, uh, we haven't seen a lot of uh, healthcare related data that shows that the pandemic is heading in the right direction. And from the Concord Coalition's perspective, the most fiscally responsible thing we could do as a nation is to end the pandemic and get the economy going again because only at that point can you really focus on long-term fiscal responsibility. It's, it's kind of morally irresponsible to disregard millions of people that are out of work and to be so focused on some of these longer-term programs when there is a huge need at hand. And I'll stop there for now because you might have more specific questions, but that's just sort of the, the broad uh, brush looking at this legislation, some good, some bad, uh, but it was definitely needed in many respects. Well, and so well said, too, because I really, you know, you talk about a behemoth just looking at all the issues that that were at hand and and yet, you know, common issue that were is the pandemic, you know, and how that trickles into so many different aspects of yeah. work and personal life and and you name it. So, I, you know, you touched on that very well, very well. Do you <laughs> well thanks, see Robin. Do you see any specific um, issues particularly related to either New Hampshire or the Northeast? I mean, I know we all have different somewhat tax structures and, and different ideologies. Is there anything that yeah. sort of you're keeping tuned into? Well, so I think, and I'll say this, like we're, we're not a state-specific organization. Uh, we, I, I pull in a lot of New Hampshire policy just by virtue of living here. And I, we, we have people like Phil Slutton on the show at the New Hampshire Fiscal Policy Institute to talk about state and federal crossover. So I'm certainly not the best expert on that question, but I, I will say um, the timing and process of getting this legislation over the line, I think actually will have a huge impact on New Hampshire. Um, there were a lot of delays in, in getting this done, even in at the 11th hour that actually caused some benefits that were about to expire to actually expire, which means they have to be basically restarted and that process can take a little while. So there's sort of this unnecessary lapse in a lot of these benefits that came out of the CARES Act or expanded benefits uh, that may be gone for a couple weeks as the government sort of resets and gets things moving again. And that's probably, that would fall squarely into the, I mentioned Tory's article on the good, the bad and the ugly that falls into the ugly. Like there are just some unnecessary delays here that once everyone agreed, we have to have legislation, we have to get appropriations done, you know, trying to pull something fast and loose at the very end that, that could potentially harm millions of people, even granite staters who receive some of these benefits, like that's just irresponsible. And, you know, that, that I, I view as not only unnecessary, but a, a huge detriment to individuals, families, businesses that are, are trying to make ends meet right now. Do you find any areas that, that you see optimism and little like glimmers of hope? And yeah, no, that's, that's a great, that's actually a great question. It reminded me of, I mentioned how this process wasn't fantastic, but what got it going actually was pretty fantastic. So we had gone, I think most of the summer with not a lot of headway really on anything you know, Washington was in its, its usual status quo, experiencing gridlock, stuck in the, the partisan muck and mire. But as summer came to a close and we were entering the fall, a bipartisan group of policymakers actually started coming together and talking about where they could find common ground. And that's a big thing that we push on from, from the Concord Coalition's perspective is, look, 
we want long-term fiscal responsibility. We need to engage in long-term reform. And that's, that's a whole other topic for a whole other conversation, <laughs> Robin, so I'll focus on the issue at hand. But the fact is, in order for any kind of long-term reform to be long-lasting, it needs to be bipartisan. Anytime it's, it's couched in one party or the other, whoever's in the majority gets their way, then the minority is angry about it. And then when the minority becomes the majority, they spend all their time trying to pick apart the previous legislation. What we saw with this bill, uh, at least on the COVID-19 relief end of things, was a group of U.S. senators that came together and, and created a framework that actually ended up being the baseline for negotiations and the starting point for the package that we saw just uh, be enacted. And to me, that is the hope, that, that's the spark of hope that I needed, I think, looking ahead at how policymakers are going to do business. And we have a new administration coming in, a new Congress. It's going to be, if, if not a unified government, meaning you know, all democratic uh, majorities, it's gonna be a closely divided government, which is gonna require a lot more bipartisan effort uh, in order to avoid gridlock. And the fact that we got such a big thing done that began with sort of that spark of bipartisanship, that, that is hopeful for me. And I, and I think uh, a lot of people from Concord would agree, and there are probably uh, policy experts all around the country that were breathing a sigh of relief that we actually saw some movement when both, with both parties working together. You know, I couldn't agree with you more. I, and I, I am an optimist, I know that, but I have to say, like you, I saw these glimmers of, of hope and, and, you know, willingness to work together and cross the aisle. And, and I'll tell you what I've heard from our members who, who work with business and individual clients alike, you know, they've really been hearing it as well from their clients that, you know, there, there's optimism out there. You know, times are tough without a doubt, but out of this, we will learn. You know, what do we say? It's always darkest before dawn. And, and there's going to be an opportunity that this is really going to bring and teach us things going forward. So I, I couldn't agree with you more. And of course, you said it way better than I did. <laughs> You're far too complimentary. Right? Oh, no, no. <laughs> you know, I, I, I have to say, and again, and, and I know we share a, a common board member, and I want to acknowledge Adam Lord, because mm -hmm. Partner at Pinchanskin Company. He's was great to introduce us, and I'm a little little lately. How can you not be a political junkie, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so hearing you and, and hearing your perspective and really knowing that you're the boots on the ground, so to speak, has really been. Um, it's it's. I've been looking forward to this, and I'm going to hold you to the fact that I'd really love for you to come back because I have no doubt we're going to be hearing from our members saying, "Hey, can you ask <laughs> them or can you bring them back?" So this this has really been very helpful. So on that note, let me let me ask you this. How can we help or how can people help support you and your mission and, and the important work you do? Well, that's a great question. Uh, there are a lot of ways, you know, we're, we're a small nonprofit. So the de facto answer is anyone who wants to give, we'd obviously uh, welcome that. But I think from my perspective, the most helpful thing they could do is explore the resources that we have. You mentioned at the beginning of this that uh, our website's pretty thorough. It has a lot on it. Uh, there are ways for you to learn more about these issues. We have a podcast as well called Facing the Future that I happen to host. So I've, I've enjoyed this crossover and I will definitely come back on your show and I'll be happy to have you on ours as well because there are certainly plenty of things I could pick your brain about. So I am thankful that Adam uh, connected us, but I'd say getting educated uh, is step number one uh, from, from our perspective is looking for ways to, to get a better grasp on these issues. A lot of people just aren't aware of what's going on, not because they're, you know, willfully turning a blind eye to it, but it's just, it's not part of your everyday routine. You know, you don't think about 
the $27 trillion of, of debt that our nation currently carries. You don't think about the currently over $3 trillion annual deficit. Those are just numbers that don't enter your, your everyday you know, conversation. So getting educated. And then anyone, I know you're talking about this, it's a professional association. So if there are any of your members that are looking to have us in to have an, edu an educational conversation or engage in one of our budget exercises, we're more than happy to do that. I, I've done our budget exercise with as few as 12 people and as many as 300. So uh, we, can, we can certainly adapt uh, what we're doing with whatever group or organization. Uh, our main goal is just to keep the conversation going. I mentioned common ground. Finding common ground and compromise is really important to us, and that enters every aspect of what we do in the field as well. Wow. That, you know, all right, I'll try not to compliment you again, but <laughs> you're really a great represent, representative of your organization. Thanks, Robin. You definitely are making me walk away saying, I want to learn more and I want to get involved. And I, I can understand, I want to make sure I throw this out there that you are one of the 10 to watch on the Seacoast. <laughs> that is true. I did receive that honor recently and I'm, I'm privileged to be among those that were listed. There are a lot of great nominees and I'm, I'm excited that my peers viewed me as someone to watch. <laughs> and I have to say the lists, they matter out there too, in the sense of we have some really wonderful people in our state. And when one of us is, you know, elevated, um, that says a lot about them. And it's, it's done by people who are very, you know, great people too. So yeah, that's, for sure. that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, remind us your website. Yeah, so we're the Concord Coalition. Our website is ConcordCoalition.org. And you can also reach out to me directly. It's my email is my first initial last name. So C Hageman at ConcordCoalition.org. Happy to grab a virtual or physical cup of coffee and we can we can talk about ways to get people more involved or, or just, you know, pick our brain on, on policy and, and long term fiscal policy issues. Awesome. That's great. Thanks again, Chase. I really Thank you, Robin. appreciate you stopping by and for everyone out there, thanks for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this informational conversation. And we also hope you'll tune in for future segments. Um, check out our website at www.nhscpa.org, um, including information on future presentations and guest speakers. In the meantime, stay well, stay informed, and stay focused. Have a great day and a wonderful holiday season. Thanks, Chase. Thank you, Robin. <laughs>